let's move on. Okay, so we're going to this, I got a message in, it's Song of Solomon. Song of Songs, some of of the translations say. Chapter two, verse 15, here we go. Set this up. My wife and I were in Colorado a couple years back uh, at about 10,000 feet on a mountain, and there was a blizzard coming our way. I mean, snow-blinding blizzard. How are you gonna get off this mountain kind of thing going on? I'll never forget it. Now, we went up there for the sole purpose of going to this state park that was known to have moose in it. We're on a moose hunt and making no apologies about it. We're looking for moose. So we're driving around this park and we come against this meadow. Moose hang out in, um, in, in lower lying, uh, like meadows with water and they eat twigs the size of pencils and you can hear them chew on the, the twigs. It sounds like they're chewing on a pencil. And they like that. So we pull off. This is after I went off the road and had to be pulled out. And I saw a moose print in the snow. I mean, it went down. It was fresh, man. I mean, this thing was like fresh. And I knew that there was a moose inside that meadow, inside those big briars and those big things coming up and the reeds and all. I knew it was in there. I could see the tracks. I just didn't have the guts to go in there. But I knew it was in there. So we're looking all around this area. I mean, this went on for like 45 minutes. Binoculars, field scope, walking around. The snow's starting to come down heavier and heavier. And the whole time my wife and I are there, these two foxes are watching us. Here's a picture of them. They were, uh, like, I noticed there's two foxes back here today, too. It's kind of giving me the creeps, actually. That's our media team. They're really cute, aren't they? So the one on the right was sleeping some of the time, and the one on the left is the male. He was watching me, watched for the moose. And I almost thought that at times he was pointing where the moose was, but I can't say that for sure. I don't know. I thought they were pretty. I thought they were cute. And I never saw the moose. We left as darkness came, and almost, I would say, every 60 seconds we had to stop on the highway because our windshield wipers froze to the glass and we had to get out and unfreeze them and the average speed down that mountain was about seven miles an hour and it was kind of like I was acting like I was really calm but on the inside I was freaking out my wife on the inside was freaking out and on the outside she was freaking out (laughs) so let's talk about foxes Foxes are also known, male foxes are known as dogs or, or tods. A male fox can also be called a, a reynard. And a female is called just one word, a vixen. Okay, well, foxes like wolves run in packs. There's a safety to packs. And uh, they're, for the most part, they're nocturnal. And like deer, um, it's the word, the scientific word is crepuscular. It means that they're going to come out, and if you're going to see them, you're more than likely to see them just at dawn and just at dusk. So if you're a deer hunter, you know what I'm talking about. There's about a 10-minute window between daylight and darkness and darkness and daylight when that's where the deer are, right, Ken? I mean, that's when we, you spend all day sleeping with people who don't bathe and snore the whole time so that you have a 10-minute window on either end. Right, Kyle? That's it. You have a 10-minute window, 15 at the most, between darkness and dusk, and that's where the deer come out. And and they kind of laugh at you the rest of the time. 
So, their babies are called kits. So they run around, mostly at night, they're nocturnal. They hunt at night, they run in packs, and they do their thing. That's what foxes do. All right, now let's look at Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15. Catch us the foxes. Catch us the foxes, the little foxes, to spoil the vines. For our vines have tender grapes. NIV says, catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. What's going on here? This whole verse is written in the context of a love relationship between uh, a husband and a wife. It, it is, it's also a metaphor for the church and Christ. And then this, this statement's made in the middle of that whole love affair. It says, catch us the foxes. Catch us the foxes. And the verb in, in Hebrew is masculine plural. Nobody really, scholars, they don't really know what this is. Like, where did this come from? Who said it? And what's meant by this? But basically it means, hey guys, let's get together. We're going to get the foxes. And it's inherent by making the statement that if you want to get the foxes, you're going to need more than one person. A fox hunt, like they have over in England and what various places, that's never solo. You, don't, you never see one guy on a horse going after foxes. You might as well don't even waste your time. You need a team of dogs, a team of horses, some really good food, and a lot of patience to stir up the foxes. So whatever foxes represent in the Bible, the first thing we have to learn is you can't go after them necessarily on your own and get them. It's going to take more than that. It's going to take a team. But he does say, catch us, the foxes. In this love relationship between the two, the foxes represent those things that hurt the relationship. You know, the world is, some of us are, uh, well, I'll pick on myself, you know, big thinkers, big idea people. Do we have any big idea, big deal, big vision type thinkers here? I'm the only one? Okay, good, there's two of us. Anyway, big thinking, big this, big that, big personality, big passion. That's all great. The world needs those kind of people, actually. But, but the person with the big ideas needs to be able to take care of the small things. They need to take care of the small things, the details, the little foxes. Big visions go nowhere without implementing small things. Marriages go nowhere if small things weigh it down. Small things, small recurring things, small annoying things, small repetitive, predictable things can erode the vineyard. It's never the, it, it is the big things, but the big things that happen in a love relationship that really harm the relationship are really the manifestation of the little foxes having their way, okay? So that's what they're saying. We need a team, all right, let's get a team together, and we need to take care of the details. We need to get the little foxes. Now, if you got a big vision for your life, fine. 
Got a big vision for your business? Fine. Make sure you have people that can help you with the little foxes because without dealing with the little foxes, you have nothing. You have rhetoric at best. You see, foxes want to motivate your thinking and they want to motivate the way you behave. What you do or what you do not do. Little foxes have that power. The little foxes spoil the vines. You know, you can have, um, you can count the cost to build a vineyard, you can stake it out, you can put your walls up, thick walls, tall walls. You can put a tower, you can keep people from coming in, you can keep people from stealing stuff in your vineyard. But the foxes don't care about your wall. They're not impressed with the height of your wall or your post-9-11 security because a fox will just burrow under the wall and he'll get your grapes. And that's what foxes do. In our lives, there are sneaky, crafty, usually things that work in the night and the darkness that sneak and burrow into our life and our relationships and steal our tender, sweet, luscious grapes. And that's what they're talking about. What are these things? Well, Jesus put it this way about Herod. At the time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, go tell that fox. I will keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow, and on the third day, I will reach my goal. Jesus was very goal-oriented, and he realized and, and by the way, if you're going to be goal-oriented this year, then expect something. What is that? Foxes. Little foxes that will nip at you, that will keep you from realizing, assessing a measurable, repeatable, significant goal, whether it be financial, emotional, relational, spiritual, whatever the fact may be. It's the foxes that get you. You can, you can lay out your big vision for your devotions this year, you can lay out your big vision for reading through the Bible this year. It's great come January. But the question is, what will the little foxes do in March? The ones that burrow under your heart get in there and say, aren't you tired tonight? Don't you have a lot going on in the morning? Is it really making that much of a difference? Those are the foxes. Oh, notice, it takes many people to get them out of your life. He says, catch us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. Grapes in the Bible, and for that matter, wine in the Bible, represent basically joy. Coming up here in, uh, in this church, I realize there's a lot of people in pursuit of joy. <laughs> More than in Atlanta. That was different to me. That, that merriment and and joy in life is vulnerable to the foxes. They're going to get you. If you're not aware, they're going to get you. They're cute, and they look okay, but they got bad motives. They got really bad motives. So the question is, are you on guard this year? First of all, what are you trying to do for the cause of Christ? Where are you going? What's your mission? How's your relationships? And where are these foxes? What are these foxes? What do we do about them? How do we dispatch these 
foxes to keep us from eroding. At all these wonderful things we've built up in our life. How do I and the elders of this church understand the perimeter of this church and what the foxes are that seek to destroy it? Not a bad question. You know, as long as we're opening the Bible and reading it and everything. There's a guy I've ministered to uh, who's a good example of this, and I'll, I'll not mention his name, but foxes are crafty in this way. There isn't, a, there isn't too many people in the body of Christ today who don't know in their head about grace. And they don't, they, people know that, that, that grace and, and relationship with Christ is not about works. We know that. We've heard that. We've been taught that. That's been preached to us, and it's true. It is by grace through faith, right? We know that. We know it so well that we can know it so well that we don't actually believe it and act it. Like, you can solidify a thought in your spiritual life that you're so willing to die for, but it doesn't because you know it's right, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're living that way. And that's what foxes do. They get involved in your business in such a way that you'll say one thing that you believe, but you'll actually approach things differently. I'll give you an example. This particular person knew all about grace and, and all about a relationship and all about a personal, intimate relationship with Christ, but function, function got so prevalent in this person's life that they lost sight of friendship. So I said, I said, you know, hey, listen, doesn't this scripture say I no longer call you servant, I call you friend? Well, this person had gotten so much in the servant gear, he was locked, that gear was locked, he was locked into service, 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 and his relationship was where do I go next, what do I do next, how did I do, what do I not do, service, 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 and it slowed, those foxes slowly built up the service part and eradicated the friendship part, and before you know it, the emptiness of the function wasn't enough to embolden this person to be intimate with Christ. And they drifted. They knew all along what was right and wrong. That's not the case. The foxes are crafty. They'll get you on one particular aspect and, and have you do so well in that that you are at the neglect of other aspects of your walk. You know, like love, communication, friendship. I, I'm in danger of this. If I look at my ministry, my public ministry, and accentuate that so much, it will deprive me of my personal walk. That's what foxes do. So I know, I know you know what you know. I know you know it's right. The question is, are we actually accentuating and moving in that direction in our spiritual walks? What are some of these foxes? Impatience. It's almost like you have to, when the word patience comes up nowadays, it's almost like you have to explain what it is because it's so rare. <laughs> patience. Patience, patience, patience. I'm ministering to someone in the community who has a, um, they have a business, and uh, this particular person is kind of responsible for the staff at that business, and uh, I see this person from time to time, and I try to, try to drop a little something in there, you know, maybe she can help her with her employees. 
So I said the other day, I said, how you doing? She goes, man, it's January. I'm busier than I've ever been. And I said, yeah, I know. I said, that's a word I'm not going to use anymore in my life. I don't like it. It just doesn't work for me. She goes, why? She said, I, don't, I, I, said, I don't like busy. I, I'm going to only use the word productive if it fits, not busy. So, she, so you're saying I should ask myself if I'm productive. I said, what would you rather be, busy or productive? She goes, they're two different things. I go, that's right. Which one do you want? She goes, I'm going to tell all my employees that. We're going to have a meeting. We're going to sit down. We're going to talk about how busy we are versus how productive we are. I said, there you go. So every time I go see her, I shared that with the team the other day. Man, that was a jewel. That was a gem. That was a gem. Well, see, busyness is a fox. It creates the illusion of importance. It also creates the illusion of effectiveness, but it's neither. Usually, business, busyness to an extreme is not important, it's not vital, and it's certainly not productive. It needs to be streamlined and eradicated from our life. Productivity versus business, busyness. Fear is another one. You see, jealousy, procrastination, gluttony, distraction, shame speak. This is a new thing I'm coming up with. Shame speak. You listen to some people speak, they'll give you a million reasons why what they're about to do isn't going to be any good or what they just did really stinks. Shame speak. That's a fox. Hurriedness, busyness, goallessness. It's a fox. Comparing and contrasting. Oh, if we could teach our young girls this. Bitterness, unforgiveness, rigidity, divisiveness, polarization, the absence of grace, a hardened heart. Oh, and our favorite, control. Control is an illusion, friend. You think you have it, and just when you think you have it, you don't. Control. So these are the foxes. Charles Spurgeon put it this way. If you have any sign of spiritual life, if you have any tender grapes upon your branches, the devil and his foxes will be sure to be at you. Therefore, endeavor to get as close as ever you can to two persons who are mentioned hard by my text, namely the king and his spouse. First, keep close to Christ, for this is your life, and next, keep close to the church, for this is your comfort. Wow. Those whose foxes have come beneath their walls and begin to eat their grapes, this is what is lost first. A secret mourning for sin. I guess I just, I just really described the United States of America at this moment. But what about us? Do you, have you lost a secret mourning for sin? That's, that's a result of foxes eating your grapes. Have you compromised a humble, keyword here, a humble faith in Jesus Christ? That song Lori just sang, that was about making a name for him, not ourselves. That was for drawing attention to him, not ourselves. That was for defining who he is, not defining who we are. That was for his approval, not our own approval. Our walk with Christ, our humble faith in Christ, should likely cost us something rather than bring us accolades. 
A, a walk with Christ that's truly walked out in word and in deed is probably more expensive to us than beneficial. If you're not paying, if I'm not paying, if this church is not paying a cost for our humble faith in Christ, we're probably not moving enough in the right direction. There ought to be a cost. A genuine change of life. If the foxes get beneath your wall, start eating your grapes, there's usually an absence of change. Now, I know... This is weird. You would think that those who've been walking with the Lord for the longest time would have the least need of change. But, but really, think about it. Those who've been walking with the Lord for the longest time haven't arrived. They don't, they don't, they don't no longer have to change. They should be the most susceptible to change and correction because of their humility and maturity. So if you're flatlining your walk with Christ and you've been walking with him for a long time, something's missing. Something is missing. We ought to always be on the change, on the transformation. A life of secret devotion. Foxes get behind your wall, that's probably one of the first things that's gonna go. Not a religious duty that I have to do this because I made an oath and I promised myself and God this. Forget all of that. It's better not to make an oath than to make one and break it. The, the, ca the case here is secret devotion. An eager desire for more grace. Our appetite and our, um, our taste buds, our spiritual taste buds, should, should long for grace more and more because it's the most appetizing thing about Christ is his grace. The people who are most mature in the Lord understand they have the greatest need of grace. The people who are the youngest in the Lord should have really no, we have to help them understand what grace they've already been given and what grace is still to come. The person who doesn't understand that they need grace is a person who's immature. The oldest and the eldest among us should have the greatest appetite and desire and longing for grace because we should have the greatest sensitivity to our lack not in some condemning way, but in some appetizing way for more of God. That's maturity. Maturity says I need more grace, not in some false modesty, but in some real reality. Oh, and the most important, a simple love for Jesus. A simple love. Not a complex love, a simple love. Our children are going through 14 names of God in our children's ministry on Sundays, and I was given one of them. I'm going to go teach in uh, a couple of weeks, and all of our elders are doing a rotation through there, and some of you are doing that as well. I'm so thrilled. One of the greatest revivals in the history of Argentina was led by children. Children who would pray for and be the intercessors for an entire nation to the point where Tens of thousands of Christians would go out one night a week and knock on doors and ask if anyone in the home needed healing and that they were there to pray for those people. People were laying on the sofa with cancer were healed. Marriages were healed. They had to go to, eventually they had to go to soccer stadiums and have lines for healing, deliverance, provision, and salvation. 
All of that movement, that spiritual movement, all of that geographic strategic movement from one borough, one neighborhood, one district to another was the result of children being loosed to pray for the nation. Children led that revival. Tens of thousands of people were set free and came to Christ because children were put at the forefront. Said another way, it seemingly was so that the simple childlike faith before God was honored by God more so than the complexity of the adults in their culture. We can never be too childlike. Those who are the most mature in Christ are probably, if you think about it, the most childlike. We want to be childlike, but we don't want to be childish, and we can't afford to confuse the two. Childlike. Simplicity. I don't know what. If you want to know what the foxes are that get underneath your wall and eat your grapes... Ask the person next to you. They'll tell you. Ask them in love, in answer in love, but they're in there. And at night, they're burrowing down. They're coming up the other side of the wall. And as you slumber and rest, they're eating your tender, luscious grapes. They're stealing your joy. What are these recurring, obnoxious, crafty, nocturnal, seemingly cute things that are seeking to destroy you. They are the foxes. Catch us the foxes, they say. Catch us the foxes. Listen, I'm going to share something with you that most people don't know, and I'm sharing it with you, and I'm telling you that because I want you to pay attention because this is very, very important. That, that young man I told you I was ministering to, he called me the other day and he said the words just the words you want to hear I, he had, we had just met, we had just finished he said I just had an epiphany that's what you want to hear it's a strong word but I, 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 I just saw a glimpse of what we've been talking about, I just saw it God showed it to me, I mean it's clear to me now I see it, I didn't see it before but I see it now I didn't understand. I, I, knew, I knew what was right, but now I know what I need to do. See, that epiphany is what I call a word from God. You can go to all the counseling you want. You go to the Bible studies you want. You go to the Beth Moore. You go to this. You go to the conferences. Back in the day when people used to do that, you go to church. You listen to a message. You can do all of that stuff. It all is wonderful. But until you get, until you receive a personal personalized note from God about where you are on the subject that's being taught where you actually know that God shared that with you and put a seed in you that helps to grow until that happens you're not really where you want to be because once you get into some sort of prison or some vineyard walls are walled up around you and you want to get out of that listen Nothing turns the lock in the gate to get out of some behavioral prison like a word from God. And it has to be personal. And he has to speak to you in a way that you understand, that he's spoken to you before, that he knows that you know it's him and it's just him and you. And it's real. 
And nobody can talk you out of it. You don't have to tell people, do you think this was God? You already know. You just received some sort of, I don't want to overstate it, revelatory insight into you and your relationship with him, and he loved you enough to share it with you, and you've got to have that for yourself. Not the counselor, not the pastor, not the preacher, not the this, not the that. It's got to be real to you. And don't stop pursuing nor expecting nor praying for that because that's what turns the lock in the door. Some of you are discipling young believers. It is one thing to tell them and to teach them something. It's another thing for them to discover it in and of themselves with the Lord. Once that happens, there's no backtracking. You need not explain it. You can even point it out how it happens in the Word, and it's what they just experienced is the first of many. Now we're on to something. I don't want you to come over here this morning with the idea that I'm going to point out some cute way that there are foxes who want to steal your grapes. I did, but that's not the end of it. What I want you to do, what I want me to do, is I want to spend this week with some sort of moments. I don't know when it's going to be. Sometime this afternoon, sometime next Thursday, sometime I don't know when, when all of a sudden it clicks and I go, you know what? i got a fox trying to get in this particular area of my life. Maybe I knew it, but now I know it. Maybe I was denying it, but now I know it. Maybe I kind of thought that was the case, but now I know it. Maybe everybody's told me that, but now I know it. Now we can do something about it. Catch us the foxes, the little foxes, the little details, the little things, the secret things, the nighttime things, the things no one else knows about, those things. Oh, God, give us a word. (laughs) 